This is Rebecca Lowe, or Rebecca Lua, if you listen to Suboptimal Radio, and you are listening to Men in Blazers on the NBC Sports Network. It's unbelievable! From the Embassy Row Studios in the crap part of Soho, it's the Men in Blazers podcast. We back. Yep. Like Real Madrid in El Clasico. And not one, but yep. two Ray Hudson orgasms. Whoa, really? It was a good Is day. that verified? What? <laughs> Does, by Ray? Do you have a blue check mark on his <laughs> orgasm? <laughs> oh, it was a huge weekend of football with El Clasico, with a Premier League full big boy slate. None of this Premier League break crap. God, I, I got to say, I need that football more than ever right now the world is a dark place huge week ahead for us though at men yeah. in blazers we got st louis blues stanley cup you don't MVP. mean st louis which well, is how you'd like to pronounce it mum if you're listening i mean st louis mvp ryan o'reilly coming yeah. into the panic room tomorrow mm-hmm. oh and we're off to boston to film with the mighty celtics on thursday so we're gonna get we're gonna jump on right into it dave we're gonna dive head first into oh into the football Brilliant. Yeah, we got a packed show, Rog. We're going to relive Liverpool's shock loss at Watford. Sure, that brought you no pleasure at all. Their first in 422 days. Then we're going to bring you back down to earth by breaking down a last-minute VAR decision that cost Everton victory against Man United. By the way, I should not oh. be chuckling because I've never rooted for Everton harder. And we applaud Man God. City sipping that sweet taurine-infused nectar known as Carabao as they win the <laughs> Cupity Cupity Cup Cup for the third year running. Oh, mate, I want to raise oh, this first third bud of the day mm-hmm. oh, to playing fair, to human goodness. Sometimes, Dave, and you'll have the same, I have a ton of people tag me into one tweet, just like thousands of them. Uh-huh. Like All it takes is for a javelina to run down the road and for someone to soundtrack that javelina running down the road to Tracy Chapman's fast car. Yeah. And like a thousand people will send me that, tag me. I do love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. But I have never had so many people tag me into a tweet like Friday, mornings, news reports, that the entire Premier League football season could, quote, be declared null and void if the British government orders sports events to be cancelled to combat the rapid spread of coronavirus. And thus Liverpool could miss out on the Premier League title if matches are cancelled. I'm guessing I was probably, would you say, tagged into it because people thought I'd revel in that. You would like that? You would like Liverpool season to be cancelled? And, and, and see, it was like one upside of a global darkness. But I want to be clear to everyone listening, I take no pleasure in this. Regular listeners do know, and I've long had a recurring dream, which we've talked about many times on the podcast, where Everton have the season of my dreams. 40 goals for Rich Arlison, Tom Davis, Belonda Orr. Oh, and just for his little moustache, Jordan Pickford actually goes through he has, puberty. He has arms. Yeah, his arms go <laughs> through puberty for George, big George. Oh, and we are on the cusp of winning the Premier League for the first time since 1987. We're about yeah. to lock it down last weekend of the season. And then I've joked in my dream, and this is actually true, an asteroid hits Earth and we all perish before getting to see the beautiful sight of Leighton Baines kissing the trophies dedicated his whole life to. And that dream always felt real and humorous. But I want to say, I do pray this season plays out. And the problem with that for you isn't that the asteroid hits Earth and we all die. It's that Everton don't win the title. Yeah. Okay. And by the way, I do believe there's an alternate end to the dream where the asteroid is about to hit Earth. Yeah. And Big Dunk just rises up, heads it. Yeah. Just heads it, just rises Nuts up, pushes it. Ancelotti yeah. away. Ancelotti's looking at it with a risen yeah. eyebrow with 
deep fear. Yeah. And he sends the big donkey. He just, like, who played Big Donkey in the movie? It would be Affleck. He just gives up his life with the header to send the asteroid into other galaxies. Yeah. But, but then yeah. Var take a look at it and say, no, he wasn't allowed. He climbed on <laughs> Carlo's shoulders, disallowed, and they let the asteroid hit her. Decision. Oh, decision. Mate, no big dunk. Within wheels. Var, no decision. And it hits it. Oh, oh, mate. Yes, the humor is Everton. Almost. Yeah. But not. Sisyphus. It's a Sisyphus dream. But I want to say, I pray this season plays out. I pray for the great scenarios for the health of the world. But whatever happens to the Premier whether they finish it or not, Liverpool have won it. Say this absolutely and completely, fair and square, by some margin. With football, we can only admire team building, at which you can only marvel, management, leadership, which transcends sport. So I don't feel it at all. I really don't. I take no pleasure, even in the rumour that they might not win a title they deserve. I'm saying this on the day that we're about to discuss their first loss in forever. And while leap year Liverpool is my favourite Liverpool, Davo. And even though I'm a petty, small, horrible person, as you know, yep. I raise this Bud fan blood fam to fair competition, yep. to honesty, to fandom built on love and respect rather than hate <laughs> and banter. <laughs> to love, Davo. Oh, love. really? The world needs more love. Be yeah, safe, people. Exactly. Courage. Need to bring a mirror to the podcast, making a note for myself, uh, JW. <laughs> By the way, talking about coronavirus fears, I've been on planes constantly for the last five days. I'm yeah. going to Monday Night Raw at the Barclays <sighs> Centre tonight Man. with my son George to celebrate our, our joint birthday tomorrow. Um, sports, go to sporting events, get on planes, live your life, sport I've spent readers. all weekend having gold ingots stuck up my anal cavities just in case we have to leg it. Yeah, but and what's that got just... to do with anything else? <laughs> that's that's your regular weekend, Rob. Don't take my hobbies away from me. <laughs> he likes making likes making plastic model airplanes and naval ships, and he likes sticking gold ingots up of his crack. Oh, where the sun don't shine. <sighs> okay, the let's begin with the shock result of this Premier League season. Lowly relegation threatened, leaky Watford slip a branch in Liverpool's bike spokes and send them over the handlebars of an undefeated season. The man of the match, Senegalese ballaholic Ismaila Saar. He scored on 54 and 60 minutes to put Nigel Pearson's mob in front. World needs more Nigels! And it was, who else? Troidini, who completed this cojones-filled Orns performance on 80 minutes, blasting past Alassane. The L ends Liverpool's joint league record 18 wins in a row. It also halts the second longest unbeaten streak in league history at 44. Liverpool looked a shell of themselves here, Rog, in what was the worst defeat of a league leader against a team in the relegation zone for almost 35 years. I'm sure you took no pleasure in this whatsoever. Oh. To be fair, it was, I could say, a great day, the greatest day in the history of the Bennett family WhatsApp group. Yep. My brother and I set up for me yep. and my kids that's called Everton or crap. Oh, could we do a dramatic reading of the WhatsApp group? My 11-year-old daughter recorded a very long video <laughs> in which she just over and over again just said, suck it, Nige, suck it. And then turned around to me and said, am I allowed to say that? Am I allowed to say that? I was like, yeah, sure yes. you're allowed to say <laughs> yeah. that. Suck it, Nige. She just kept saying it over and over again. No sweeter sound. Actually, there is a sweeter sound. Liverpool, Davo, are non-winners. Oh, whoa. I've been waiting 44 games and 422 long days and nights to say that. As of Arsenal's Invincibles, who must have spent Saturday night popping open the champagne like the 1972 Miami Dolphins. Before the game, Davo, 
jump back before that. I mean, all the talk, Liverpool could set a new record for consecutive victories in the top flight, 19. They dropped just two points from their last 81 available, which is still mind-blowing. If they'd won, they would have extended their lead at the top to an eye-popping 25 points, which is more than Watford had won all season. To me, that summed up the gulf between the two teams. No one saw this coming, did they, Davo, before kickoff? I got to say, no, of course not. Nobody saw it coming, and the betting markets agreed with you. But a number of my friends who gamble on the Premier League are always like, yeah, Liverpool, there's no way they're going to go and lose to, insert team name here, who sits in the lower half of the table. Everton. And I've said again and again and again, <laughs> they will lose at some point an unexpected game. They will lose an unexpected game. The Premier League is too tough. As we saw, we're seeing this across the league this weekend teams dropping points losing games against teams that you just wouldn't expect them to and Liverpool are no exception to that one game somebody was going to come out score first have them panic a little bit score again and it was going to be done and it was Watford and by the way Watford yes they sit their relegation threatened but there is so much skill and ability on this team as there is with pretty much every team in the Premier League I didn't see it coming especially not after a first half I mean, yes, Liverpool against Atletico Madrid and West Ham, where they leaked twice, were a little dead-legged. I think one shot for both teams in the first half. The whole game, first half, was just a bit zzz. I mean, it was, why am I watching this? Really, yeah. I know what the result's going to be. This is, this is not good football for me, the team. Liverpool without Jordan Henderson, arguably been a shadow of themselves. And yeah. they wombled around the field as if their energy had been sapped mm. by having to wear Deontay Wilder's super heavy ringwalk costume or something. I mean, Watford sat deep, compact, picked their moments to run at Dejan Lovren, who in the poetic words of Lee Dixon was, quote, having won. I think he said that about four or five times over the weekend. I loved it all the more every time. Having won. I'm starting to believe, actually, Lovren's actually the Premier League's equivalent of the draft and the salary cap in American sports. He's the single way to ensure He's parity. The yeah, yeah, parity. The game came to life, though, in that second half. 54th minute, a moment of magic, Davo. David loaded up his catapult with a rock and aimed it at Goliath's head. Watford throw in, Liverpool switch off, Decore given the chance to cross it, and Ismael Assar, the man named after a retrovirus, <laughs> oh, stepped up like a Senegalese Luke Skywalker, stabbed it home. Just a gobsmacking moment. It was, it was like mm. watching Buster Douglas take out Mike Tyson, David, right? A much more serious virus that didn't end the world. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was, but it was... You know, maybe we'll all laugh at Joe Corona in years. Yeah, they, they took one. They took one on the chin. But we've seen Liverpool take it on the chin and bounce back. But there was something that felt strangely different about this game. And anybody who's been to a game at Watford, they know that this is a team that play very physical football. And when they get a lead, it's just it's a it's an intimidating ground. They play intimidating physical football. They've got a manager there, Nigel who is making them play an even more intimidating version of their game, partly because they're probably terrified of Nigel Pearson, uh, if you refer to his previous <laughs> record. It was an interesting sitch that they found themselves in. And it would get worse for Liverpool. Oh, the sweetest phrase that we simply do not get to say enough. Ever. Troy Deeney. Troy Deeney. Thick Drake. Pick the ball up. On the halfway line, dropped a question of a pass behind the Liverpool bat line, to which Saar was the answer. He outpaced Verge, laughed at Lovren, and as Alisson came out to do what Alisson does, which is just smother all possible hope, mm -hmm. simply chipped the keeper deftly. The ball oh, swung towards the back of the net. I'm not going to lie, a little bit of pee came out when that <laughs> happened, David. Well, are you talking about yourself or Alisson? Uh, probably all of us. Saar... 
Alison, definitely thick drink, mate. Yeah, you're pretty easy. Oh, there's an adage in football that I've long believed in, yeah. which is, we've often talked about this, going 2-0 down at Watford is the true measure of a team. Yeah. I mean, the truly great can fight back to win 3-2 with yeah. Theo Walcott scoring in the last yeah, minute. Yeah, we've seen it happen. Yeah, the lesser teams, they, what do they do? <laughs> They go and concede a third to Thick Drake, David. Yeah, they capitulate. They yeah. capitulate. And this time, Saar was the creator, intercepting a bewildered Trent Alexander-Arnold back pass. I don't think that kid has ever lost. He didn't know what was <laughs> going on. never lost. Yeah, it's completely the computer programming malfunctioning. Saar fed Dini, who finished delightfully and agonizingly over Van Dyke's head. Death Star destroyed. Dini charged away to salute the fans, his fans, fans who've suffered and feared and lived far too long over the relegation moon door this season. Players and supporters bonded in disbelief and wonder. It was wonderful to witness, right? Yeah, they're bottling the entire Premier League, Rog, now. Bottling it. This is now everybody's <laughs> coming at them. It was amazing, and it's a testament to the Premier League. Congratulations, Watford. What an amazing win. What an amazing performance. Not just uh, defeat, but a proper thrashing. A proper delivered. thrashing. We, we gave the statistic at the beginning. It's the worst defeat of any league leader against a team this. in the relegation zone for almost 35 years. It wasn't years, against Rob. a run of play. It was 3-0. That front three of Mane, Moe and Crazy Bobby Chompers must have just one shot and goal the whole 90 minutes. The game ended with Watford fans singing, can we play you every week? Hilarious. Oh, they deserve this right, David. They were magnificent. Yeah, Watford were magnificent. Good for them. They've had a turbulent <laughs> season. Had to make some managerial switches, been written off by many, including myself. And they're coming back and playing good football and nobody will want to play them now. The camera's cut to Watford manager slash local pub bouncer Nigel Pearson. And Tyson even he Fury. shook his head in confusion. Jurgen Klopp looked drained. He looked shattered. No, it's a good win. Actually, it was good for us. Uh, watching Alisson punch the floor in agony. Astonishing. Virgil van Dijk howling in frustration. I mean, being taken out by Minnow Watford at the end of this. I was trying to think what compares. And the only thing I could think of, it was as astonishing as watching Omar Little, seemingly untouchable, seemingly invincible, be gunned down by child foot soldier Kennard Nards yes. in a Korean-owned corner store. By the way, what a wonderful way to go. The question you want to ask me is, did I feel joy in Liverpool's defeat? Rog, did you feel joy in Liverpool's defeat? Should I? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> you, shouldn't, you shouldn't really be finding joy or pain Suck it, in Nige. football. Suck it, Nigel. You really shouldn't. Here's Zion. Hi, Uncle Niney. Suck it! <laughs> <laughs> Yes, the logic of her own father. The logic of her own father. <laughs> Look, uh, she's got the strength of her mother, and the logic of her father. Uh, oh, that makes me feel so good. <laughs> when my casket is going into the ground, yeah, can you play that at my funeral? What is it before or after? Do the Russians love their children too? After I've been gunned down in a Korean <laughs> store by Nards. Uh, look, I was I was delighted for Watford. <laughs> I was delighted for Watford and their fans. Massive win for them against the best team in the world. Springboard filled with hope for the 10-game battle against relegation to come. Hats off especially to Saar. Saar better than VAR. I do believe with all seriousness, that new Premier League Hall of Fame that they've announced yeah. said there's going to be two spots announced every year. Yeah. Saar should get both of those <laughs> spots in 2020. I loved it. I love watching the humanity of it. But I want to be clear. I didn't revel in it. I didn't feel joy in Liverpool's failure. If anything, Dave, <laughs> to be candid, defeat almost made Liverpool's achievement all the more startling. 
It really did. Winning 106 out of their last 108 points, 26 out of 27 games in, you know, 79 points, 64 goals scored, conceding just 17, winning the Champions League, the World Championship, game after game, smiting all comers. This loss, it made you realise they're doing all this without a safety net, Dave, like a tightrope walker walking across the Grand Canyon with their dreams, the 30 years, the Stevie Gerrard slip, the clop hugs with it all. They made us believe. For, I mean, I really did believe collective perfection was possible. And that's why I felt, I felt almost more admiration for them in defeat rather than any kind of pleasure that it was over. It's been magnificent. I've lost the ability to even know where you're going to come from next when discussing Liverpool. It's almost like you blink and you're in a completely different area coming at me with a different line of attack. I never know the angle at which you're no, going to come I from Liverpool. Know. I don't, I don't think you know either. where you're coming from. Just, what it's like being done. in this sort of like... Uh, what's it called, like a glitch video where you suddenly glitch, Roger glitches and goes to a new place and well, comes those, in a new angle those, with a new one argument. One of those things little kids open up, what are they called? The decision makers with the different papers. Fortune cookies. Yeah, for whatever. I, I don't know why. I can, all I can tell you is what I honestly feel in that moment that they're still running away with the league by a record margin. And to me, this loss, it only proved how great this bloody Liverpool team are. And you have to be able to admit that. I said the same when City lost last season, eventually, that there's no safety net in the Premier League. Every team's bringing it every week. Each one of these wins was hard fought. Every team on any given day can top the next, but they haven't, they haven't, they haven't. And I, I just admired that in this moment. The, almost the moment of mortality made what they achieved all the more superhuman. I mean, Klopp's exhaustion post-match, to me, was a, as much a sign of the extent to which Liverpool are running on fumes right now. After week in, week out, bringing it in the face of the doubts, their own doubts to begin with, then the world's, you know, they've got no records now to chase, so the team will now play free, Klopp tried to say, post-game. And there is so much wonder to come for Liverpool. The glory, the title celebrations, probably a points record, still need just 12 points to clinch. And that's what I felt, Davo, in this moment. Good on them. Amazing. Wonderful. Humanly wonderful. No, and, and I think the fact that they've lost one game does not in any way take away from this remarkable, remarkable, remarkable season. It's a testament to the strength of the Premier League, which makes their achievement even more remarkable. Yeah, and I know smugness is not a good quality, and Schadenfreude is the best Freude since Sigmund. And so the single pleasure I did take was that Everton beat Watford 3-2, which technically... I'm asking you, does that make us league champions, David? What? Everton? No, it doesn't. That's flawed logic. <laughs> I don't know where she gets it from. Oh, wait a minute. I do know where she gets that from. Speaking of, Rog, Everton won, Manchester United won. Your mob leapt out to a lead in just the third minute thanks to an absolute shocker from David De Gea who after just chilling on the ball, smashed a clearance off God. Dominic Calvert-Lewin <laughs> and into his own net. But in the 31st minute, not to be outdone, Jordan Pickford allowed a long-range Bruno Fernandes effort to squeak under him. It was sort of curling into him. And I got this, lads! I got it! I got it! No, I don't! My tiny little arm! No, I don't! And that leveled the score. Each goalkeeper redeemed themselves with spectacular saves down the stretch. In the 92nd minute, Everton had a last-minute winner overruled after the white-powdered wigs at Stanley Park judged that Gilfi interfered with a DCL strike while the Viking was lying prostrate on the ground in front of David De Gea. In the end, United stay fifth. Everton are in 11th. Saar giveth to Rog, VAR taketh away. <sighs> got it, lads. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> Going into this one. 
I've never cheered harder for Everton. Why? Because I don't want Manchester United. I fear Manchester United yeah. taking out Chelsea from the Champions League places. I was. <laughs> I, I, I want to say I didn't expect much. I was really braced for a reversal of Everton's four 0 win last April, which I yeah. attended with three generations of my family. It was my daughter's first game. It was. It still is one of the happiest days of my life. And as J Deb said to me before kickoff, beautiful Everton memories. They're only made to be shattered. Uh, we had Andre Gomez happily back. First start in 112 days after the Son horror tackle. Yeah, that was nice to see. And Everton, he's so handsome. He is so handsome, isn't he? he Everton. Is four. He is. He's possibly up there with Distan. Yeah. He's possibly one of the top Everton. Yeah, Hibbo. Hibbo. Up there. Tom Davis, a different kind of inner beauty. Yeah. Oh, anyway, Everton, oh, will we never learn? Made a massive, massive mistake inside three minutes. We open the score in. How I do know. we do it, Dave? It was bonkers. Yeah, you don't really want to score too early. David De Gea. We, second time in a week, we don't learn our lesson. Yeah, David De Gea looks so good every single time he runs out in the field. You think, oh, there's a good-looking goalkeeper. Yeah. Way, it's funny, the opposite of Jordan Pickford, a goalkeeper who is way taller than he appears to be in person. As opposed to Jordan Pickford. You think his arms are actually too long? He is, he's springy, problem? he's long-limbed, he's got all these things. He's gorgeous. Uh, but a pretty horrendous error. I he mean, had, Dominic Calvert-Lewin has been in form. The last thing you need to do is like just gift him a little carol. It's so weird. United were so casually, so routinely passing that ball around the back. They were just doing their, their opening minute of a game, passing it around the back routine. The most lethargic of passing it around the back. Pass it to De Gea, who had an eternity, an eternity on the ball. DCL almost didn't want to close it. He's like, I am now going to close you down by rope, by contract. I'm not expecting anything. You're going to boot the ball. He had no hope as he kind of trotted towards him. Dave, ice in his veins, held onto the ball forever. What made him decide the right idea in this problem of my own making is to wrap it right off the Everton attacker as he charged in Kung Fu fighting? Yeah, not a great idea. That's not probably the way they worked it up on the training <laughs> ground. You know, Manchester United sometimes have slightly unconventional training techniques. They're, they're well-renowned for it, but it's a... Yeah, this was odd. Oh, it was... I had an, an argument last year with the, with Houston Rockets GM Daryl Morey. He's the guy that revolutionised it when you shoot. He wants all his players, the second the ball leaves the hand, to not try and get the offensive rebound, which was the old idea, but just immediately to charge back on defence. He watches football. He's like, why do you ever pass it back to the goalkeeper? And I've tried to explain to him about the idea of creating space, drawing out the opposite. When I watched this, I was like, Daryl Morey is bloody right. He's like, the goalkeepers are so moronic. You, the, the odds of you creating a massive self-destructive error are so huge. I don't know why they ever did it. This was Daryl Morey territory or charity from De Gea trying to help DCL learn how to score from further out than three inches yeah. for his 13th goal of the season, paging Dean Henderson, United goalkeeper in waiting. I'll say as an Everton fan, to take the lead almost straight from the kickoff is such a bizarre combination of such joy and such instant horror. We never learn. Every week we score too early. We then settle into a pattern of seeding possession hoping to hit United on the break. Matic hit his routine belter against Everton, which he always scores, but it pinged off the bar. And you could tell United had been told, shoot on sight, shoot at Pickford whenever you can. And so it came to pass. Fernandes, by the way, he is such a tasty footballer. Oh, he just, he's he... just whole energy off the ball, his energy on the ball. He just is like... How would you describe it? Well, it's like... Your eyes, when you're watching the game, and I'm sure it's even more acute if you're in the stadium, your eyes, when you're watching the game, just cannot take your eyes off him at 
any moment. He gets on the ball and you feel this buzz of expectation, not only in the stands, you feel it like all the players around you, you feel the defensive players starting to... How many times did defenders overcommit against Bruno Fernandes, almost losing their footing or like slipping or suddenly like not knowing which way he's going? You, Theo Walcott. Yeah, no one knows how to read him at this point. Yeah, and he also looks just like a character from Ratatouille, which kind of doubles his charm. I like that film. I know. Yeah. That's why I, that's why I thought about it, because like you love Ratatouille. Film. I like that. I'm going to watch him with his little, his little yeah. like, slightly feral mouth that he's yeah. got going on. It makes him just look adorbs. Yeah. I like him. This, I like that look. This less adorbs, though. Strong look. Anyway, he's phenomenal. And he sort of stands out and unleashes a shot. Rasped it. Now, it's not a shot you see a lot. It was a, it was a right-footed left to right swinger yeah, so was, going the opposite direction of what we used to call when we were kids a banana kick yes right? it was it was a banana kick it was pitchers and catchers report to spring training kind of crap oh my yeah it was definitely that sort of slider inside had a lot of dip on it it wasn't really whatever it was it was weird but it was less what the shot was it was more who it was aimed at well it, it is the thing about it it started outside the goal <laughs> which you want a curler to do go it lads and then you want it to let, get just inside the post he started outside the goal it had so much slide and dip and curl Extreme. It ended, up, child arms. it ended up pretty much in the middle of the goal. Bounced. I think if we were generous, we could say it bounced in front of Jordan Pickford. Child arms it not working. It seemed to me that it bounced behind Jordan Pickford after he dove in and somehow missed it with his tiny arms oh. and shoulders and neck and head. Jordan Pickford, child arms. Yeah. The seventh goal Jordan has conceded from outside the box. Everton do lead the league in something. After all. By the way, for the rest of the game, it was so hilarious watching Jordan Pickford. He was flinging himself at everything. Even shots that were going just crazy wide. He was just like over theatrically flinging himself towards them to make sure we all knew that he had them covered. By the way, can I make this point? That English people do have statistically shorter arms than Americans. It's just as a... This is a this is facts, and I know this only from trying to buy clothes off the rack in England. Buying a blazer off the rack in England versus buying a blazer off the rack in America. If I buy an English designer blazer and I put it on, literally in my size, 40 regular, the arms literally go like halfway up my forearm. Whereas an American jacket, like a Ralph Lauren, for example, will just hit perfectly, giving me, I don't know, half an inch of cuff yeah. at the end of it. Why do you it's, think that is? Just, English people just were weird. Well, we were... We bred with moles in yeah. the 18th century we a lot. There was a lot of cross-pollination, and moles have tiny... We grew up mole with... human cross-pollination, <laughs> it led to just a lot smaller arms. And, and we were basically raised until the age of nine on porridge made with sawdust, that yeah. was, if we were lucky. Yeah. If we were lucky. So there wasn't a lot of nutrition, milk, yeah, juice... But... Juice. Did you ever have juice? Did I you did, ever have orange juice as a child? Uh, I'd go to bed with a <laughs> lemon and barley water. My mum would leave uh, about every night. I'd brush my teeth. And Robinson's then, lemon the, yeah, and barley water. Through the night, I'd drink like a sugary concoction whenever I was thirsty. The, by the way, this drink, it's not, oh, it's not a drink. It's like we you, used to it, have an empire. Now we just have tooth decay. It's a concentrate. You pour a little bit yeah. in a glass and then yeah. you add water yeah. on the top. That's That yeah. was juice for yeah. us. Yeah, that was juice. It's like going to bed and giving your kid juice to like just keep layering that on their teeth. Of course. <laughs> I mean, teeth were not really invented for people over the age of 16. They just but made I'm just to making fall out. The, I'm just making the point that when we joke about Jordan Pickford's short arms, they're yeah. standard arms for an Englishman. He's got long arms. <laughs> he's an got standard. He thinks he's, he's got, got standard English arms. He thinks he's really... When he walks into the room, when he walks into the pub, he's like, everyone's yeah. looking how long my arms uh, are. Yeah, exactly. They're jealous, jello. Whether, I'm statistically long arms. Whether he is long-armed or short arms, and it breaks my heart to say this, Everton have got a dodgy keeper situ. 
Yeah. Should probably try and solve two problems by having Gilfie start playing in goal. Mm -hmm. But oh, it was humanly dark. The game just deteriorated into a, like a spiky, feisty, tackle flying in, hand-to-hand -hand combat fest. At times, it was just feet left in, headhunting tackles, yellow cards flung all over the place. Quality not so great. Yeah. Uh, but the passion at 11. Fernandez, United's one flickering threat uh, throughout. Tasty. I think Matic had said before the game, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, quote, is much better manager now than he was one year ago. And on the evidence of the second half performance, I, I guess that means he was effing crap last year and now he's just terrible. That's the longest sentence Nemanja Matic has said in his I can't believe Matic actually said that. That does not sound like <laughs> Matic. Matic, all he wants to talk about is centuries of British arm growth. He's obsessed with that issue. By the way, I'd like to see, talk, I'd like to see Ancelotti in goal for Everton. We haven't seen a just manager going off. Of I mean, he's just got peeling heft. them off his eyebrows. Eyebrows. <laughs> oh, he knocked it dive. over with his eyebrow. Doesn't Tips it, it over the bar with the right to, brow. Doesn't he? Wouldn't even have to dive. He just casually raised. <laughs> Jing, bing. By the way, he wouldn't even yeah. have to touch the ball. It was just the his eyebrows would somehow influence the ball outside of his sphere of influence. We'd be unstoppable. You'd have big dunk saving <laughs> asteroids of his head. We'd have Mr. Gallo with Gallo the power of his own eyebrows, pinging pile drivers, Matic pile drivers, and Pickford on the bench. Going, I do have long arms. Come at me, bro. He'd say as he raises one eyebrow to ping him at a pile drive right. By the way, that's where we need an animator to animate our conversations. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> They'd be awesome. Just to call them. <laughs> bing. Oh, by the way, can we just say animators? Yeah. Oh, Leighton Baines, a throwback game, age 57 years of age. Animate that. The end of the game. He's gone for the young haircut, Leighton Baines. Leighton Baines, we've all been there. What? We've all been there. Well, he's we, he's we all aging. Hair. At least he's he's aging. Yeah. And he's now said, yeah, I'm, I'm going for a look that's slightly younger. He's always gone for that. No, look. this is a. He's always been This mod. is the short. No, this isn't a mod haircut. He's gone for like it's a little bit boy band. His it, hair at this it, point. It looks like he's melding into British middle age, but in the 1970s, where you, you know, it's all about quietly drinking it's through a bit the day, in sync, playing the haircut. banjo. On the end of the pier, yeah. eating jelly deals and just waiting for death. Is that what you're saying? With hippo. God love. If I, we all wait for death with the style of Leighton Baines. He's an amazing human being. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, there comes an asteroid. Yeah, Grandpa Leighton. <laughs> <laughs> I welcome the asteroid. Oh, oh, the end of the game, talking about asteroids. It was yeah. a wonder and a darkness. Everton pounded. Corner after corner after corner. Uh, sagging United, who held them at bay. Uh, but at the last, the hair performed a wonder save from Gilfie at close range. The ball came out to DCL, who spanked it off Maguire's heel. And it kind of just rolled, rolled, rolled into the corner. Past Siggy, who was still on the deck, thinking about life, thinking about death. <laughs> yeah. Thinking about why, what is the meaning? What was going through Siggy's head? Siggy was on the deck for a long time. He was thinking, how can I be the least interfering how can I be invisible? I'm in not this really here. You can see there's like a little thought bubble coming out. He's trying head. to be as invisible and non interfering as possible. In a way, I was never really here at Everton yeah, Football exactly. Club. What is exactly? Yeah. What is life? What is? That's what I, I honestly, because if you look at it, he was, and a lot of people who hate Everton Football Club have tweeted this to me, being like, you've got to admit, Gilfie was on the floor for a long, long, well, he was. He was yeah. fully thinking, I think he was like reliving an early childhood memory. <laughs> was just Lying in the park on the husky. grass. Yeah, a husky, mush, his favourite yeah. husky, mush, yeah. mush. Something was, yeah, mummy and daddy, mummy and daddy don't love me. Whatever it was, it was like... I mean, let's face it, 
it's at the very least a little bit annoying and distracting Pee-me. for De Gea. Pee-me. But he's got Gilfie lying on the floor for Sh- four and a half minutes in front of him. Shouting, I'm paying me like one of your yeah. French nudes, David De Gea. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> and David De Gea's like, maybe I will. Do you like yeah. acrylics? Do you like gouache, Gilfie? Yeah. Oh, I think we've cracked it. That was the interference. It was their conversation. But he wasn't really interfering because if you look at it, David, and I've only looked at it 12,263 yeah. times. David De Gea is flat-footed. He's leaning the other way, never getting anywhere near that ball. That ball was redirected by Maguire. De Gea was trying to save the first DCL shot, not the little roller, which Gilfie, in his meditative trance-like state, just moved his little foot away from. It's the best thing he's done, actually, in an Everton shirt. God love him. Goodison erupts. The players jump into a wonder love pile of just joy and delirium <laughs> scenes. But then you see United complaining. VAR kicks in, ruled that the Icelandic midfielder was, quote, in De Gea's line of sight and interfering with play. Which he was in his line of sight. Was he, though? In his line of sight. He's six yes, he's lying four. on the ground. A, he's a prune. He's, first of Look. all, first of all, it's Gilfie. De Gea knows from his scouting, Gilfie is not going to threaten him in any way with a football at his feet. Second of all, De Gea is like, a, he's a man god. He's enormous. He can look over a... Pre- and third of all, De Gea is going completely the other way. Let me ask you this. If the goal had been scored the other way, let's say off a Martial uh, shot with tiny Jordan Pickford flinging himself helplessly the other way, going, lads, I got this one! Would it have been ruled off? Well, I do think that you sort of started approaching that in the right way until you asked the question. The, the conspiracy theory. Yeah, you I've, been have on Quanon. To, I've been on the Everton Quanon website. I think when a decision goes against your side that you're up in arms about, you have to T- you have arms. to go the other way and you've got to think, oh, wait a minute, what if I was the other side and it had been Harry Maguire lying on the floor and my goalkeeper had been, you know, and that goal had been scored against us at the end. Like, how would we have felt about it? It would have been it? self-fulfilling. It would have felt wonderful. How would, I know, because loss, yeah, loss, yeah. loss would have made sense for you. And so it is, for me, and I can understand why everybody's so upset about it, but at the same time, for me, it looked like a decision that could have gone either way. And when it went to VAR, I actually thought, yeah, VAR could, VAR could ignore it or VAR could say no goal. It's a little bit interfering, but I could see how it would be not that interfering. This feeling inside. And ultimately, it's... Just picture this. It doesn't though, affect mate. Everton's mid-table finish. Picture this. It doesn't We're, make any Champions difference. League dreams still on. No. They're not on. Picture this. They're yes. Everyone. Everyone. Norwich Palace. fancy a Champions League place after Everybody. this. Again. Everyone. Everyone can live. Everyone yeah, can die. <laughs> I'll say, one minute, I am pogoing around my room with my four kids who are all having memories that they will remember forever of total delirium and joy. I'm shouting, never give in, kids. Never stop grinding, never stop believing. Tenacity. These are the values you want your kids to have and to remember. The next VAR overrules the goal. One minute you're essentially dancing at a wedding. The next, suddenly you're at a funeral. That's VAR. Destroying the joy of football. Destroying the soul of football. It was was devastating. It was devastating. This hit me. This hit me hard. But the joy of football was often devastated by referees making incorrect decisions as well. This isn't all VAR's fault. Decisions were taken away. Things happened. Everton were a mid-table team before. They'll be a mid-table team in the present and a mid-table team in the future. Perhaps the problem is teaching your kids values through watching Everton Football Club. God, my daughter did turn around to me at the final whistle and go, why do we support Everton? And I couldn't answer in that moment. (laughs) Mr. Carlo got a red card 
and we'll miss next weekend's El Blaze Erico. Watching them go mental at the refs at the final whistle was the moment I truly fell in love with the man. Though I did like all you Twitter people who suggested to me that Carlo's only been in Everton for three months and is already losing his mind. For the second straight week, <laughs> Everton True. will rue out play. You like that, it didn't is. you? It's, it's gone <laughs> insane. It's gone insane. You had too much money, too many Italian restaurants, and little by little I went insane. Yeah. Everton will rue out playing a big six opponent and wasting chance after chance. We didn't get what we should have done out of this. You look at the two games... The Arsenal game last week, this game. You look at the Newcastle nightmare, 2-2 draw after being two up, going into injury time. You do have a sense that this season could have been, should have been. One that Voltaire, probably an Everton fan back in the day, once summed up with this quote, one day everything will be well, that's our hope. Everything's fine today, that is our illusion. Hmm. Okay, Rog. It was an even worse week for Tottenham. Tottenham 2, Wolves 3, a five-goal thriller <sighs> with massive European implications, actual European implications. Spurs took what? the lead via Steven Bergwijn, who smashed home from close range. Matt Doherty pulled one back for Wolves, only to have a Serge Aurier stonker put Spurs back ahead. The second <sighs> half was all Wolverhampton. All Wolverhampton. With Diego Jota <laughs> and Raul Jimenez. Goals leading them to victory. The God. win means Wolves leapfrog Spurs into sixth place, Roger. Nuno's lot, a level on points with United, just three behind Fourth place, Chelsea. Yeah, the sad deterioration and decline of Spurs 2019 continues into 2020. Yeah. Having slumped against Chelsea last weekend in eye-poppingly negative fashion. Mm -hmm. Mourinho benched Toby Alderweireld and Jan Vertonghen, who've turned into a pair of Belgian David Luizes. Tanganga and Sanchez formed the new centre-back partnership and ultimately didn't make any difference because mm -hmm. Spurs took the lead twice. Second time through a big Sir Jorier master blaster. Couldn't hold on. And the magnificent, much-coveted Wolves duo Jota and Traore, so lethal on the counter-attack. Raul Jimenez, God, ultimately grabbing the winner. He's a genius. I mean, a, uh, I can't think of a more under-the-radar, consistent finisher in the Premier League. He's a Mexican Danny Ings. This Tottenham team, difficult to figure out who they are right now, what their identity is. I mean, their home form, they've never really settled into this stadium. They've never really given their fans any form of consistency. And now... Mourinho seems to have them playing so many different kinds of football week True. in, week to week to week to week. The only good news for Spurs, the cavalry's coming. Mourinho revealed that Harry Kane ahead of schedule and Son could also be back this season. But knowing Jose, he's probably going to bring them back and play them both at centre-back. Wolves, though, we've got to give them huge, huge respect. The most slept-on team in the Premier League, a team who refused to die more than any I've seen, have overcome the Europa League curse. That was meant to finish them this season but they're charging on both in that mire and in the Premier League with a quiet humility, with a tenacity that's a reflection of their remarkable manager, Nuno. They now leapfrog Spurs, go six, with one of the most generous run-in schedule-wise still to come. Oh, Wolves, Champions League could be happening up there with Everton. And also a team that their pattern of play, you watch them week in, week out, and they, they, they look like they're playing exactly the same game. They impose their own style on everyone they play against. <sighs> Bournemouth 2, Chelsea 2, a game in which each team looked as mercurial as the South Coast weather. Oh my God, this was a, this was a, a terrible weekend for uh, Bournemouth tourism. Chelsea started brightly <laughs> with Marcus Alonso 
thumping home straight into the Wolf Blitzer situation room, Rog, after Olivia Giroud hit the bar on 33 minutes. But the Cherries showed some steel in the second half. Two goals, three minutes apart from Jefferson Lerma and Joshua King. But Eddie Howe's mob up 2-1 with just five minutes to go. Marcus Alonso, Rog, he's their best striker. He tallied again his third in two games to split the spoils. Bournemouth slide into the relegation zone. Chelsea stay fourth. Chelsea opened as if they were still shell-shocked from that 3-0 beatdown by Bayern in the first leg Uh, of the Round 16 Champions League tie, which they were brutally exposed by Alfonso Davis and co. Yeah, no relation. Injuries, no Tammy, still no Pulisic, two months and counting with an adductor injury. Still don't know if I have an adductor or not. No. No Cho. You don't. No, No Kante. Yeah. I mean, it's a bit bleak. Yeah, we've got a lot of players out. Ruben Loftus-Cheek is on the bench. He hasn't played yet. Not in that weather. He's not going to play in that weather. <laughs> Once again, the other big story, Kepa, by the way, sub, you know, still being you know, the most expensive goalkeeper in the world and Willy Caballero still playing in front of him. I mean, it's sort of amazing things going on at Chelsea. But they did find their feet at the outset. They asserted total control against a, should be said, inert Bournemouth midfield, settled into the heavy possession that the cherry seeded them. The opening goal, Olivier Giroud hits the bar, which I think is his new party trick. It's his new kind of assist mode. And Marcus Alonso rifled home that rebound. Last week's two heroes combining again. And it did at the outset. It all felt routine, David. Well, yeah, it's a tiny little pitch down there in Bournemouth, Rog. And so they're, they're sort of, you know, Chelsea going again with that three-man back line and, and Alonso and Rhys James, certainly our best player on the day, again, getting down the right flank. And Chelsea looked very, very dangerous on the ball after initial Bournemouth possession. Chelsea just took over that first half. And that goal, fantastic move and cross by Rhys James. Fantastic, instinctual attempted finish by Giroud. Hits it against the bar. And Alonso there to literally almost break the netting with that strike. Oh, and it did all feel routine until it didn't. Chelsea so fragile at the back, particularly against corners, mm. conceding two goals in three second-half minutes. Oh, against a team who'd won twice in 10 league games since shocking Chelsea mid-December. Pelican star Josh Hart, big, big Chelsea fan. And I thought of him when these goals flew in because it was the kind of humiliation that having LeBron dunk on you whilst grinding his privates into your face was the perfect metaphor. Bournemouth, Chelsea's bogey team reared their head. Yeah. And your boys again, Dave, are just looking susceptible. Yeah, set piece. Goal number one, done in by Jefferson Lerma, header from a corner. The second goal, Chelsea's you know, midfield and defence completely overrun, all behind the ball as, as Bournemouth attack in front of them. 2-1 down, you know, still quite a lot of time to go, but it looked like Bournemouth were going to do the double against Chelsea. Holding out for a hero, step up Alonso, reinforcing this position as Chelsea's leading goal scorer in 2020, but still so unloved by many Chelsea diehards. Well, yeah, he struggled when he played in a four-man in a four-man lineup. He does much better when he's playing as a wide man outside the back three. And, you know, not only step up Alonso, but Pedro actually took a shot, Rog, on target, on goal, that ended up being saved and came back out to the big Spanish defender. 2-2, and I think a very fair result on the day as far as I'm concerned. But massive two points dropped for Bournemouth, who have a horrific run-in. And a stagnant Chelsea are still without an away win in the Premier League in 2020. But in hindsight, looking at the other results of the weekend, what looked like a bad result when it happened, actually not bad for it to get a point. But it sort of kept them in a pretty good place. Ten games to go, we're we're three points ahead of the, the chasing pack, another five points ahead of another couple of teams. So fine, all good.
Okay, Norwich. One, Leicester. Nil, Roger. Friday night football in East Anglia. Sees kind of... Boo, 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 boo. Uh, sees... It's an old British quiz show uh, callback. Sees Canary fullbacks Max Ahrens and Jamal Lewis combined for the game's lone goal in the 70th minute. It gives last place Norwich a glimmer of hope, keeping them six points from safety. Third place Leicester, meanwhile, have not won in four matches. At this point, there is only a five-point cushion between them and fourth place Chelsea. We could get third, Roger. What do we say to death, Norwich City? Not today. The Cranag men, Game of Thrones deep cut, survive courtesy of Max Ahrens to Jamal Lewis connection. Young fullback to young fullback. When Davo and I create the XEPL, the rules would have that kind of goal count double. Norwich have got a relatively calm running. Games against Brian West Ham Watford still to come. And with 10 games to go, the bottom six separated by only seven points. As team owner Delia Smith said to me before the season began, there's always hope. Leicester though, David, third place. 29 points away from Liverpool at the top and 29 points from the bottom of the table. Yeah. A tangential way of saying that with Jamie Vardy injured age 33, they're getting glimpses of life post the most talented feral rap boy. And it's not so good. 12 points out of the last 12 games. Bit of free fall going on for Brod. Yeah, I think they're going to need all of that five-point advantage on the way in, Roger. It's a... It's a little bit of squeaky bum time at the King Power. The Peloton is coming! Yeah, the yeah. Peloton is coming. Cellar dwellers, Aston Villa, Watford and Brighton upcoming. They will want a run of wins to avoid being sucked back into the pack. West Ham 3, Southampton 1, a massive win for the Irons. Their first in any competition since a January 5th win over 1973. Gillingham. Goals from Jared <laughs> Bowen. That's his first for the club. Sebastian, Allaire and Mikel Antonio have David Moyes and co on 27 points in 16th place, tied with Watford and Bournemouth, but leading them on goal difference. Yeah, Jared Bowen, debutant, looks like Mark Noble's stunt double. Huge yeah. win for the beleaguered Hammers who storm up the table, even as their own fans are seething in protest against their owners mm. for their big promises and broken dreams. What are they moaning about? <laughs> believe, that's, you got, that's, what you're, that's what you're marching about. We gave you David Moyes too. What more do you want? Are yeah. you never satisfied? Oh, games against Arsenal, Wolves, Spurs and Chelsea forthcoming. Those three points could not be more precious. Newcastle nil, Burnley nil. Burnley go unbeaten in six. Steve Bruce's big on. Big on. Big on. Big on. What do you see? Bjergen? Is it Bjergen? Is it Bjergen? His boys inch closer to 40 Biscuit. points. They're on 32, but they failed to score in four straight. <laughs> Brighton nil. Crystal Palace. My side chick won. Mods and Rockers square off in a spicy affair on the south. Coast. The difference here, a 70th minute. Jordan Ayew goal. He just can't stop scoring, Roger. He's scored some important goals this season. Palace now on 36 points. Brighton, meanwhile, remain the only side without a Premier League win in oh, 2020. They're that, just a point above the relegation zone. That quirky but heartfelt rivalry. This was Palace's first ever Premier League win at Brighton. Whoa. Won against a runner play by an IU brother goal. Actually, it was Jordan. We do know which one. <sighs> so they say, allegedly. Yeah. And uh, some genuinely Pete Roy Hodgson organised defending. Brighton have hit the skids in 2020. They rained down 24 shots. Palace defended, though, like a team of 11 Dikembe Matumbos. Who wants to sex Roy Hodgson? His Palace. <laughs> Save for another season. He's so old school in the post-match uh, press conference. Did you see this? He starts crediting how good the ref was. Yeah. Like, one of the best refs in the Premier League. It's so funny. It's and so then lovely. when he turned around, so to the, he turned around and goes, who wants to sex Roy Hodgson? <laughs> it was amazing. Wonderful. Okay. Happy for him. Megan. Let's cap off Make this weekend it, with its close of the Carabao Cup final. Man City 2, Aston Villa 1. 
Pep's mob win their third straight Carabao Cup. Oh, they're so happy. Thanks to first half goals from their small Sergio Aguero and their tall Rodri, a spirited Villa side did pull a goal back just before halftime when Tanzanian Mbwana Samata beat Claudio Bravo. Villa had chances down the stretch but couldn't find a way through. In the end, City win their third League Cup in a row. It's their fourth in five years, Rog. Oh, one of the most under-respected parts of Pep's regime what? is that he takes every tournament seriously yep. in a way that other big teams simply do not. I mean, that, mm. he loves guzzling the Carabao, doesn't he? Yeah, he loves it. Guzzle it. He when I say guzzle it, you say how I. <laughs> I mean, Guardiola is at pains to point out that yeah. City have now won eight of the last 11 domestic trophies. Do you think, anybody, do you think nobody's told him that the Carabao Cup isn't that important? <laughs> no, yeah. They but have I mean, to walk around yeah. saying, the most important trophy of all, Pep, is the Carabao Cup. In fairness, really? the most important alliterative trophy, I think yeah, they say. Right. The most important alliterative trophy in sports. In fairness to Pep, no one has advocated for the removal of the Carabao Cup more aggressively than him. I mean, this it's such a ridiculous trophy. It was, if you want to know why they play the Carabao Cup, it was initially introduced in 1960 as a competition to create extra football midweek once floodlights had been invented. <laughs> so like English football was just a every weekend thing. They didn't have much European football. They yeah. invented floodlights. I'm like, we got these pies, pies. We don't have to live in the dark anymore. Yes, we don't. We got electricity. What did we do but at night? Pies don't sell themselves, Michael, I said to myself. <laughs> so let's, I mean, Carabao, by the way, probably yeah. not even invented yet. This trophy is a relic of the past. Pales in comparison to the wealth of European football that's now available on tap. By the way, if the people from the Carabao Corporation are yeah. interested in sponsoring Men in Blazers, yeah. we do love your product. We always have. We <laughs> guzzle it. Grew up we with it. We guzzle it. Grew up with it. I guzzle it as hard as oh, Fernandinho. What can we say? What a game. Quite a good game. I mean, Pep, we've won eight out of the last 11, including the Community Shield to inflate numbers. I just admire how much he loves to win. He craves the symbolism of domestic domination. No manager cares like he does about that. I mean, they did have to dig surprisingly deep in this one to fend the game Villa off. Dean Smith's side, God love them. They really hung in there. 2-0 down, Man City propelled by Phil Foden, blew chance after chance and required a late Claudio Bravo wonder save to hold on to their title. Villa... Please, God, you'll bring that spirit of defiance into your relegation battle to come. City have now run the Carabao four times in five years. To me, I joked on Twitter that would it have hurt if you let Villa win, if you spread the joy? And I've heard from several hundred humorless City fans wondering, are you taking the piss? Are you taking piss, lad? Very big win. But for the big clubs, it doesn't mean much. What do you think it meant for City? Because they all seemed pretty miserable at the final whistle, the players. No one was really that into it. Well, it's nice to win trophies, Rog. It's nice for your fans. It's nice for your players. It's, it's nice for the backroom staff. The it's a day out. Go down to London. $25 boot contract endorsement bonus. Yeah, you've probably got a bonus. You've probably got a bonus in your contract. It's nicer. It's better to win things than to not win things. I wouldn't know. I know you wouldn't. wouldn't know. That's, why I'm, that's why I'm looking straight at you when I'm saying this. So it's quite nice to win things. And it's better than losing on the road at Brighton. You know, it's a nice thing to <laughs> keep going win. Carabao Cup, better than a stick in the eye. A bigger win for City. Came midweek in the Champions League at Real Madrid. Proof that you don't need tactics to trigger a great European performance. You just need a lawsuit. City scored twice in four minutes to overturn a 1-0 deficit in Madrid against a fairly flat-looking Real side. Mm. But the tenacity and verve they showed made their fans start dreaming of an unprecedented treble. 2019 Premier League winners, Man City. 2020 Champions League winners, Man City. 2021 Court of Arbitration for Sport winners. <laughs> Could it be, Dave, the big well, one? That's the big one.
That's a good trophy. That's an amazing trophy. Look, UEFA, we'll do a negotiation. We'll give you four cans of Carabao if yeah. you just f*** off. Yeah, it's more like envelopes of cash. <laughs> we'll give you cans get... of Carabao filled with yeah. cash. Mr. Vadino, here's your envelope. <laughs> Some bacon? Your weekend looks like this, Rog. Liverpool look to get back on track bacon? bright and early Saturday at 7.30am at home against Bournemouth. Bacon. And Sunday, it's El Blazerico. My Chelsea versus your Everton at 10am. Followed Suck it, by the Manchester Manny. Derby at 12.30pm Eastern Time. All those games on the NBC family of networks. Let's have a prophetic shot of Jägermeister and see what the future holds. Okay, going in. <sighs> this Jägermeister tastes of savage scheduling. Arsenal, Manchester United and then Chelsea back to back to back. WTF! Everton have played bravely. They've played gamely. And I think they're going to emerge from these three games with so little to show for it. DCL will score probably in the first minute. Rich Arlison will fall over a lot and scowl. And Andre Gomez will look ever so handsome. But a late Yerry Mina mistake will hand Chelsea all three points. To be an Everton fan right now is to know that cruelty lies around every corner. Oh, my shot of Jägermeister, Rog. Taste of panic from parity again. I see an all-Iberian score sheet in this one. Andre Gomez puts your boys ahead. Marcus Alonso levels it up. He definitely <sighs> breaks the back of the net this weekend. And we split the spoils. But it's going to be good with uh, Jorginho suspended. We're going to get RLC. He's going to be back in midfield. Hopefully he lasts uh, more than 20 Jorginho minutes. Jorginho up there with Mr. Carlo in the naughty boy seat. They'd get along those two, I think. And a quick note, next Monday at 5.30pm Eastern Time, after Leicester versus Villa, the Men in Blazers show is back. We're sorry. And you have a terrific interview with Tampa Bay Lightning defenseman and massive <sighs> United fan, Victor Hedman. Oh, he's proper United, big Vic Hedman. One of the NHL's greatest defensemen. It must pain him beyond description to watch Phil Jones, Lindelof and Slabhead just crap it up all around the back. Ed Woodward, you could do worse than signing him up. There are many... There's only one big Vic Hedman. One big Vic Hedman. There are many ways to connect to us, including our now extinct Amazon Emporium, which has transformed into the Men and Blazers <laughs> Board Mart. Anytime you buy something big or small from the Board Mart, we get a tiny percentage that allows us to produce additional, albeit suboptimal content. What are you putting in the Board Mart this weekend, Roger? A book. Till. A novel by Daniel Kelman. The brilliant Austro-German novelist drops this masterpiece about the 30 years war it only shaped the face of modern Europe in the 17th century, weaving narratives about a beloved, subversive, trickster hero from German folklore, Till Eulenspiegel, a wandering jester who travels around Europe with a zealot-like existence, living between kings, witch hunters and paupers. And he paints a magically realistic picture of the time with stunning dark humour and deep empathy and just oh, a remarkable understanding of human nature to explore with exquisitely researched historical detail the dreary parochial nature of their lives. I adored this book in the same way as I adored The Buried Giant by Kazuo Ishiguro. Both are wondrously textured, imagined works of genius that transport you to another world, yet force you to think about your own world in doing so. A bit like the Carabao Cup. Uh, went to a movie premiere last week in Los Angeles in Westwood, Rog, one of those beautiful movie theatres in Westwood. Uh, my mate Pete Berg has directed a new film starring Mark Wahlberg, Rog. Heard it's of called Spencer Confidential. It is an excellent film, but that is not what I'm putting into the Emporium. I also didn't Mart. put Narcos uh, 2 in, this, by the way. <laughs> I'm not putting that into there, but it's it an good? excellent, excellent, was it? excellent was film. It really? However, was it really good? It was really good. Yeah. Really good. Really, really good. It was good. Yeah. And really good. And uh, however... <laughs> Mark Wahlberg, Rog, cool. this is a man, his skin, yeah. his skin 
looks amazing on the big says, screen. He's like 47, 47 years old, maybe. He looks so good. 10 years younger than Leighton Baines. He looks so good. His skin looks good. His, head, his eyes look so good. I was just, what just everyone I was going insane Sweet about his skin. eyes. And then I went to the bathroom after, before we walked into the premiere. Met a few GFOPs, by the way. And in the bathroom. I was just looked at my eyes. In the and bathroom. my eyes Specific, were so... Specifically, the GFOPs were in the bathroom. No, 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 they weren't. I met them outside the bathroom. But I was in the bathroom because occasionally I go to the bathroom. Yep. Sorry, real life. I'm a human. Uh, well, people uh, like and, the podcast because uh, you bring your real life into it. Davo. Anyway, looked toilet. in the mirror, washing my hands afterwards because that's all you have to do. You By wash the way, wash hands. them properly. Wash them properly, well, though. 20 seconds. Wash them for 20 seconds. And in between, seconds. with hot water. 20 seconds. And I looked at myself in the mirror, Rog, and I saw my eyes, and I compared them to Mark Wahlberg's eyes, and they just were looking puffy, dark circles, they a were. little wrinkly. I and thought I this thought, story was going to go another direction. You looked at yourself, and you went, four. You would, though, And you know you? what I thought? I and thought, you know what? I need to go onto the Amazon, and I need to order some... Did you buy some new eyes? No, I need to order some <laughs> Elemis Pro Collagen Hydrogel Eye Masks. That's what I thought immediately. So went home immediately, got on my Amazon app and uh, ordered the Elemis Pro Collagen Hydrogel Eye Masks, a six count. They're not inexpensive, I would say, but you don't want to buy budget eye masks and put them under your eyes. It, then you have to walk around with them stuck under your eyes. Yeah. And you, you don't, it's not a great look. Don't do it in front of your children or any uh, woman or man you're trying to attract. But it definitely, if you can tell my eyes looking a little you, bit better. You look today, amazing. Slowly you starting look to look amazing. better. And that's all because of the Elemis Pro Collagen Hydrogel Eye Mask. The other thing you Made can do. Made by Carabao. Follow my regimen of putting gold ingots at your <laughs> anal pass. But really? the other thing I'd say is you do know that Walbert arguably, possibly may have had work done and heavy makeup on in the movie. I don't believe he has done. I, know. I don't believe he has done. That's what's so crazy I about you. I don't believe he has done. From people I know who know, I don't believe he has done. He just is incredibly disciplined in his routine. Okay, Rog, you can like follow Mesut us on Ozil's Twitter. Eyes. At Men in Blazers. Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> at Embassy Davis, at Rog Bennett on Instagram, at Men in Blazers, at Embassy underscore Davis on Facebook. Uh, Men in Blazers. You can always email us at meninblazers at gmail.com. You can always send your ravens to the crap part of Soho. Vendorpunk, Rog. Warpig! Who wants to sex with Tom I like snacks. Balls win, balls win. Take that, Gloria. Balls lose. To tweed. Abrigado, rock on, mate. Kung Fu fight in America. Love you, Dave. Big new you <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Rog. I gotta say it myself. I got it, lads. Oh, I do love you, Rog. Suck it, Uncle Niney. Hi, Uncle Niney. Suck.